Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Get More Students podcast. I'm your co-host, Alex Asher. And I'm Herbert Goza, founder of HerbertGoza.com. Today, we are talking with Mike Bergen, who's our special guest. Um, just the reason that I'm really excited about talking with Mike, uh, certainly with, with my background at LearnCube, uh, we have a lot of customers that come from all areas of tutoring. We talk a lot on this particular podcast and show about choosing your niche and really finding mm. an angle that really works for you. Test prep is one of those areas that comes up again and again as both an incredible business opportunity and a really exciting market. So I'm going to talk on, uh, we'll just give Mike a quick intro, but we're actually going to get Mike to talk more about his extensive experience. Why? Because Mike has almost 30 years of experience in test preparation, working from everything from being a tutor in a, in a teaching role. He's worked with various companies in test prep. He started his own business in 2009. It might have even been one of many, but with Chariot Learning, which he still uh, manages. He's the president of, let me get this right, the National Test Prep Association. <laughs> and uh, also, you're going to be interested to know, he's a, he's a fellow podcaster with being the co-host of Test and the Rest podcast. So you should be checking this out at the end. But Mike, tell us, you know, you've, you've done a lot. Tell me a little bit more about all of the different avenues that you've explored this amazing sector. Well, Alex Herbert, thank you so much for having me on the show. I'm really <laughs> excited about this to speak to your audience about the topic that I'm very passionate about. And yeah, I've been in the business of education for a long time. And I've worn all the different hats you can from you know, working with students, which I still do, to creating curriculum and managing products, to starting businesses, to writing and podcasting. And, you know, test prep is a fantastic business for, or, or let's say tutoring, obviously, is a fantastic business, working with students helping them achieve their goals, wonderful place to be. And Absolutely. test preparation is a very specific niche that it offers a lot of advantages for the kind of educators that love immediate feedback on how they're doing and benchmarks uh, against which to measure progress and help people achieve goals. So when we talk about this topic, just say, I've tried a lot of different marketing <laughs> paths in test preparation. Some of them have worked, some of them have not. I've taken my lumps and I'd love to share some insight as to how people can learn more quickly than I did. Awesome. That sounds very good. And we've already got an idea of what we might talk about today. Um, we're really talking about how to, to market, um, market test prep and market yourself as a test prep, uh, either professional or expert. Or, or company that, that specializes in this area. Mm. Uh, so I'm particularly interested in really understanding the space better. I'm really interested in the specific advantages that it has and the, and the opportunities, and possibly also the opportunities of the future, like where is this going? But then, Mike, we were going to talk through some really kind of practical ideas of how to, to actually market. And this is the area that I thought, Herbert, you know, both of us are really interested in, is this... Mm. Yeah, how is one sector accessing their market and what could we learn uh, for our own markets? So, exactly. yeah, very, very interested. So I'm going to start off, um, Mike, with just asking, you know, tell us about test prep. What does it actually involve? What's the, what's the, what's the goal here? 
Sure. So test preparation is simply an extension of tutoring or education in that in every classroom in every country, students take tests, right? <laughs> students take mm. quizzes, they have their tests, they have their midterms, they have their finals. So assessment is nothing new as far as education goes. But there's a broad and deep suite of standardized assessments that students in nearly every country encounter on one level, level or another. So on one hand, we might be talking in the United States about state tests. Almost every state has certain proficiency tests at different levels to assess their skills leading up to culminating tests in high school to make sure that students can earn diplomas. And I understand that a lot of other countries have exams like these, and sometimes these are very high stakes tests. Uh, this leads to the idea of a lot of admissions tests. So there are tests in the United States that students take to get into certain high schools, whether they're prestigious public schools or private or parochial schools. There are, of course, the college admissions tests, the SAT and ACTs known mm -hmm. across the world for gaining access to U.S. colleges and universities. But then there are equivalents to those exams in other countries for their own higher education opportunities. There are graduate school tests, exams like the LSAT for law school, the GMAT for business school, the MCAT for medical school. There's a whole suite of them. That doesn't even address issues of credentialing exams. If you want to be a nurse in the United States, there are tests you have to take. If you want to be a teacher, mm -hmm. there are tests you have to take. And that means that there is an entire universe of exams that individuals need to take to earn credentials, to gain certification, or entry to prestigious schools or programs. That's a lot that, of tests. Right? <laughs> yeah, that's, <laughs> that's a lot. I mean, one of the things that I thought was really interesting about that was that you you mentioned this sort of fragmentation. And I think when there's fragmentation in a market, that's actually a really healthy place to be because there's so many different places for you to take it. Mm. And, and I'm, that's what I'm getting from, from you here, Mike, is if you worried about what your niche was, I mean, you've just given us about a dozen different ways. That you well, I mean, you, you would have no, you have no idea how much people can split this, meaning mm -hmm. that any single test is enough for a person to build a really healthy enterprise. I'm not just saying Most a job definitely. where they tutor themselves, but you can have a whole business devoted to GMAT preparation, LSAT mm -hmm. preparation, SAT, ACT. I mean, you, you, you can employ a lot of people. Uh, we at the National Test Prep Association, we did a summit on uh, online courses last month, and our guest speaker, our expert, was somebody who has built an entire business on nursing certification and the wow. ongoing wow. tests that nurses have to take to mm -hmm. maintain their professional standing. She's built a tremendous enterprise based on that because, again, we're this is education, and we all know that education touches all lives and you can you can focus on any specific aspect of education herbert you can focus on language fluency right and that in itself is a broad and deep category mm. you can focus on math and that's everything from you know 
the kind of math that the earliest students learn to, you know, postdoctoral tutoring. Like there's, yeah. there's just so much to explore in every single category of education and test preparation where we incorporate not just the skills and knowledge that are required, but the strategies for understanding and excelling on specific assessments is a whole other path. When you were mentioning this, I mean, particularly with your experience with the the national, you know, the national T test prep association, are you finding that your tutors are going after one specific area, or are they really trying to offer a range? Well, what's interesting is that there's a lot of specialization, but what you mm -hmm. find is that a lot of skills are tested over and over again on exams. For example, passage-based reading. Passage-based reading is a core skill. Somebody gives you an unfamiliar text of a certain length, it could be on any topic, and you're being tested through a multiple choice format on understanding what that passage was written to tell mm -hmm. you. And it seems like such a simple skill to learn, but everybody struggles. <laughs> Almost everybody struggles with that idea, especially when you add a time dimension. And this is a skill that is tested on every single standardized admissions test I know, from the high school tests to the college tests to the graduate tests, where if you want to be an attorney, you're tested on passage-based reading. Mm -hmm. If you are, if you want to go into business school, you want to go to graduate school, you you're tested on this. Even if you want to go to medical school in the United States, there is a mm -hmm. reading component to your test. So if you master it in one format, you find that you have the ability to master it in another. And we see the same with grammar in a lot of tests. We see the same with math in a lot of tests. And so you can move from one exam to the other. One component of marketing is the incorporating opportunities to upsell and cross-sell, where if I focus on SAT, but a lot of students are also interested in the ACT, I would be right. foolish not to offer both to my students because they're such similar exams focused on the same purpose makes a lot of sense and so with the the test prep uh you know sector how has that performed in the past and and how has it performed i guess this dramatic two-year time period and then what is that looking like in the future before we head on to some of the more marketing ideas so test preparation has been around for a long time. And when I say te the test prep industry, I mean, people certainly have always prepared for exams before, mm -hmm. but Stanley Kaplan kind of branded this idea of a test prep industry a long time ago, and it has grown into an educational powerhouse. I can't quantify how it compares to general K-12 tutoring in the United States, mm -hmm. but it's a massive segment of the education industry tests are not going away. We had this experience during the pandemic where testing was challenging because so many locations were shut down, we were social distancing, and a number of different programs waived their test requirements for a certain period of time. But we're seeing mm -hmm. a lot of, you know, the colleges that went, went test optional are starting to become more stringent in the exams that they're asking for because standardized tests are simply data points that if you if you have a program, if you have a college, you have a graduate school, and you're 
part of your admissions process is making sure that applicants are able to succeed academically in your program, then you're going to want as much objective data about their ability as possible. And in an environment where I can't speak for other countries, but I know in the United States, it's, it's not so much of a secret that great inflation is rampant. We're at a position now where 40% of students have an A average, the best average in the school. A lot of schools are getting rid of class rank simply because they want to obscure just how many students are getting inflated grades. So mm-hmm. not, to, and I'm definitely not knocking the kind of tests that teachers administer in school, but it's important to understand that as a school teacher, you administer certain tests for purposes that are different than what sta- what standardized tests are administered for. You as a teacher would administer tests supportively to make sure that students learned the core material you were teaching in the way you were teaching it. If everyone in your class got a perfect score on your test, you'd be thrilled. You'd be like, I'm a great teacher. But a standardized test can't work that way because standardized tests by their nature have certain standards uh, below which people will fall. It would be a pretty sloppy test of driving ability. Um, I can't speak for where you are, but in the United States, you know, if you want to get a driver's license, you have to take a written test. You have to take a road test. And the road test is not designed for every single person to pass. We have a standard for what it means to represent that you can operate your vehicle safely on the road. And that is a standard to strive for. And that means we can be fairly comfortable that people that uh, pass that test are pretty good. Doesn't guarantee that they're never going to get into an accident, but means that they are less likely to Standardized tests very often serve the same purpose, whether whether we're talking about admissions tests or credentials, certification tests. It means that person achieved a certain standard that not everybody does. And then some of the exams are designed to really sort students. So, you know, they're scored across a standard distribution where the bulk of test takers will fall within the big part of the bell curve. And those individuals that escape and break into the 80th and the 90th and the 99th percentile really stand out because of that fact. It's a finer sort of applicants when most of them may have very similar criteria otherwise. Interesting. Fascinating. Uh, One of the things I was sort of curious on that, uh, Mike, was certainly when, when we've been talking with a lot of educators, a lot of people kind of push back against the idea of standardized testing in general. And so my curiosity is when I'm asking about the sort of trends of of test prep, for me, when I'm talking to educators, at least, or at least maybe even because they're private educators, that that might be kind of skewed uh, with LearnQ, but they are, you know, they're kind of telling me, you know, they want more personalized learning. They're all about that kind of sector, which would seem literally against the other trend of more standardized testing. So so, so that's any... a really funny idea, right? <laughs> yeah. Imagine you wanted to be a language teacher, uh-huh. okay? And you were proposing to teach someone a language in whatever way you wanted, but you never wanted to have an objective assessment of their fluency. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? What, what does that even mean? Like if you want to, if you want a way of teaching a certain subject, you want to teach math, but you never want it tested outside the scope of whatever quizzes you would offer. It, standardized tests are not inimical to 
personalized education. <laughs> My colleagues and I will talk about the fact that we personalize education in a way that students can't get in class, which is why we often work with these students, one-to-one -one small groups in settings that our students don't get. What a standardized test is, is a tool that teachers, any teacher can use to further evaluate their own educational interventions. Meaning that if I'm a science teacher, I want to know that if I'm, if I'm a biology teacher, I want to know not just subjectively by my own standards, but objectively that I'm teaching students the important aspects of biology, mm. the pieces of mm. that subject that they need in a way that they can carry forward. And as a, if I'm a classroom teacher, I've got much more on my plate than just creating perfectly balanced fair, valid, and reliable assessments. I can't do that. That's not even my job. So why wouldn't I use assessments that psychometricians and testing experts create as part of my benchmark? So I'm glad you said it, Alex, because I reject, <laughs> I reject the assertion that they don't work together. Yeah. Again, if, if I was a driving instructor, I wouldn't, I, I would be teaching to the test right? If you set the standard for success, if success is fluency, if his success is the ability to perform a certain mathematical operation, if success is the ability to read an unfamiliar passage and express clearly and cogently what the main idea is, then I'm teaching to that. And so good, good tests distill the standards that we as a society agree are important or organizations agree are relevant to success at their level. Thanks. Uh, I thought that was well put, Mike. I'm very, <laughs> I'm very, at least very confident. I like it. Um, <laughs> yeah, thank you. And we're next going to get on to the, the topic that a lot of our listeners will be very interested in is, okay, we understand test prep now. We definitely understand some benefits and how it fits and the trends of that, which uh, se seemingly look look still very very positive. So when we're talking about marketing test prep, where do we begin? Do we do we start at the market? And we kind of talked a little bit about niching down initially. Do you feel that that's important? Do you not? Do you think it's actually important that you kind of offer quite a range? But no, no, no. I, I definitely think, and, and I'm sure that you both agree, right? You if you offer everything, then you offer nothing, exactly. <laughs> right? You have to <laughs> represent something. You and and. Hmm. When it comes to test prep, the markets aren't all the same, right? If you no. are marketing for a high school standardized entrance exam, you have a very different marketing pool and strategy than for um, SAT, ACT prep for college admissions or for graduate, for certification. You, your test defines your audience and you would be well served to tailor your message specifically to the population that is most concerned. Sometimes when you're doing test preparation, you're not marketing to the person actually taking the test. You're no. marketing to that person's parent. Mm -hmm. And this is a very familiar concept in education. Um, <laughs> but when you're doing graduate testing, you're actually marketing to the test taker, which may be different for a lot of people that are used to selling parents rather than students. 
Definitely agree. Uh, different messaging uh, will be needed for yeah, both for, of those for sure. And mm. you know, different messaging in different pools. Um, mm. You know, if you're trying to reach parents, for example you would be marketing in different social media platforms than their children who would never want to be found on their platforms. Of course. So, right. Yeah. yeah. So, and then I would just say that marketing test prep stands apart from marketing other less defined courses in that these standardized tests are themselves sources of fear, anxiety, and confusion <laughs> in that when, you know, I have kids in high school, right? And so, you know, my daughter's taking algebra two, right? And if I want any insight into how her math teacher creates tests, I can go to parent teacher night and then hear like a basic canned presentation. This is what we focus on in class, but I will not know anything about the tests that she administers. I have no sense of how many questions, how long they have, what the scale is, nothing like that. And, you know, we in the United States, we just leave that to the teachers. Okay, you're creating the tests and somehow I'm going to trust that they are fair uh, and leave it at that. But a test like the SAT is very different. Okay, nobody that you know, is creating the SAT, the college board design team, they're locked away even from the rest of the organization. They have their own focus. And these exams are created to incredibly high levels of standardization and integration and statistical validity to a sense that lay people like us can't even understand. I've had on the podcast Experts come on and talk about how the SAT is tested, how the ACT is tested. And, you know, without a PhD in statistics, I can only understand so much. <laughs> it's wow. just, so it, it's phenomenal. It, and so these exams set up an arena, if you will, right, where the rules are always the same. Everybody across the world takes the same test. They have the same timing, the same rules, the same content blend, the same range of difficulty, question by question. All of that is the same, even though the questions change from test to test, right? So there's a great opportunity. The more you know about the test, the more prepared you can be to the extent that if you didn't know about the test, you would be at a serious disadvantage going in. And this it's, is almost that pain point that I think, you know, you've already touched on three or four just in this small conversation. Yes. Uh, those are the pain points that I think you're really trying to dig into. And, and that comes across in your marketing. Like you can't really address those pain points of confusion and that kind of thing. That doesn't apply necessarily to normal tutoring or general tutoring. That's but right. applies so closely to your test prep. It's interesting because you'll find in standard academic tutoring, the pain doesn't come until after the fact. Nobody feels pain until they fail a test, right? The parents aren't <laughs> concerned. Everybody starts the school year optimistically. Oh, this is the year my son is going to crush all his classes. Mm -hmm. You don't hear until the first wave of tests, I'm starting to fall behind. Mm -hmm. Whereas for these important exams, anxiety builds up well before test day comes and the yeah. smart the smart families prepare in advance again i like to compare test preparation 
to the driving test because nobody sends their child to take the driving test, the road test, without practicing just to see how they'll do. Mm. Right. And yet we hear this all the time. Well, I signed my daughter up for the ACT just to see how she does. And if she doesn't do well, I'm going to uh, do some preparation. Well, you wouldn't be proud of your daughter saying I took the midterm without studying just to see how much I need to study for the final. If there's a test, you study for it. And we Mm. as educators understand that if there's a test, you learn what's tested. You prepare to do your best on it. Standardized tests. (laughs) evoke a little more diligence in that regard. Most families that recognize the influence that these exams have and the opportunity that they present want to prepare well in advance. And that means they want to know. Once they know, they want to evaluate, meaning, okay, you told me that there is this test and you told me that this kind of score, I, I already know that colleges are looking at this kind of score well, I'd like to know how my daughter's going to do. Mm. So there's another marketing opportunity to provide practice testing, to provide opportunities for assessment in a controlled uh, environment before schools would see those scores. And then you have the actual, you know, and you can do better. The test score that you earn in practice before you've ever learned the exam does not have to be your destiny. You can do much better than this with the right support and instruction. Right. And again, you're already using a lot of the words and the kind of marketing speak, really. Yeah, you can tell I've done this a little bit. You've definitely had these conversations, which is great to hear. And again, I I hope that the listeners are kind of absorbing some of this because it it does come across Mm. as as really, certainly really convincing and compelling. And you kind of wrote a couple of ideas for us in terms of some of the marketing techniques and ideas that you use. Uh, and test prep that I'm, I was quite interested in sort of going through it, you know, these as, as examples, kind of really understanding why you use them, what you tend to get out of them, and then maybe what, you know, is the tip to do and the tip to avoid. Uh, and so you kind of mentioned before is about this education process, because again, part of your marketing is not just, hey, I'm over here, come and get get some test prep tutoring it's about educating your market so they even think that they will need this test prep Mm. tutoring because they might again kind of the the example you gave before mike was exactly where a lot of people might be just in totally not contemplating that they have a a particular problem that they'd like to solve right so so starting with with maybe the parent seminars that seems like a a really good example of an educational opportunity right at the start of the funnel when people were trying to figure out Hey, do I need to invest in this? That's exactly so. You know, Alex Herbert, you speak so much about how to get students. You talk about marketing in the field of education. And you've observed that many tutors and teachers say that they're uncomfortable with marketing and sales. (laughs) But we're all in this field very comfortable with education. We're educators by nature. People need information, we know how to provide it. We know what they need to know. We can explain it in a way that they understand because that's our job is to do that, right? So when you position this as education, everybody in the field is like, oh yeah, I can totally do that. You're saying that if I just help people understand what these exams are, what they test and why they're important, then that could actually also maybe lead to more students 
Hmm. Sign me up. <laughs> Where can I find these groups of parents wanting to this information? And that's the key is that if you are in the business of test preparation, when I say parent seminars, I'm speaking obviously about any of the tests that are relevant to students pre-college, right? If you're talking about graduate school, then you're not doing parent seminars. You're, you're doing other right. kinds of seminars and you have to find those students on campus or you find find those students where they are. But for the most part, we're talking about selling in the K-12, which is what we call it in the United States arena, right up to students turns 18 or so. And you can find those groups through schools. You can find those groups through libraries. I do a lot of work with libraries. And in my oh. area, they aggregate students. I go in and I speak to them. Um, with professional or social groups, you can even create them yourself in that if you have a big enough enterprise and you have marketing reach, then you can say, on this Wednesday night, register for my free seminar on this topic. Education is natural. Uh, and also you can do videos. I mean, I didn't even talk about the fact that you can do it both synchronously <laughs> sure. and asynchronously online. And a lot of people do very well by just posting explanatory videos on YouTube. People find the videos and then they yeah. eventually find the speakers because there is a great power in delivering a message that somebody needs to hear in a way that connects the dots. If you are the source of information, then you gain authority, you gain credibility. It is a natural step. I give free presentations all the time without any sales pitch or call to action, except you should prepare. Yeah. I don't say prepare with me, but you can imagine I'm the guy right there giving them the, I, I, I don't know who else knows this information, but I know it. Sure. Yeah, I would have also thought that uh, content marketing would be would play a very big factor. Um, how about uh, yeah, a, a YouTube channel, blog posting, things like that? Very uh, much so, Herbert. Mm. Uh, so, you know, first of all, web search is still incredibly important. Of course, and you know that either people search before they speak to you. <laughs> or they search after they speak to you. They're still looking online for social sure. clues that you are legitimate, which exactly. means obviously you talk to people that they need a website, but it, wouldn't it be great to have a website that was very high in the search engine rankings? Mm -hmm. When I started Chariot Learning, I had a secret weapon, and that's I was already a blogger. In 2009, I was already uh, a skilled blogger. So I started from the very beginning posting mm -hmm. and it wasn't long before my site shot to the top of the natural search engine rankings, which continues to provide a steady stream of inquiries. Yeah. And again, it's an extension of your knowledge, meaning you write these articles. And if you write them with an eye towards what questions do people have? What do they want to know about? How can you continue to build this broad and deep base? of frequently asked questions and answers, then you cannot help but gain more prestige and authority and credibility in your field while attracting more inquiries. Podcasts are an excellent extension of that. Mm -hmm. YouTube videos and other videos are ex excellent ex uh, extensions. For myself, I've found that the blog posts are the most effective. 
but other people build really rich enterprises on any one of those content channels. It also strikes me as they're also really helpful from a lead magnet perspective. So if you wanted somebody to, you know, be interested in, you know, that they maybe come to your website, but, you know, they're not really sure about getting on a call or having a demo or having a chat even, maybe they're just not ready for that moment. You can still kind of suggest like, hey, you can watch this little video is going to answer all of those little questions that I know that you have. All you need to do is pop in your email. And then you have that permission, hopefully, to be able to continue to educate and ideally help that person. So out of all of the areas that we talk about, I almost think test prep is one of those ones where videos, you know, that you kind of put uh, behind, a, I guess, a, the, 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 the payment or the cost of entry is simply putting in your email. That just seems to me as such an obvious area for people to, uh, mm. to sign, sign up that, and show that they're really intrigued. Very much so. You, you know, something that's really great about test preparation, if you have a specific test and you know your market, so you also know the seasons and the cycles. You know at which point in a family's academic journey, they're going to turn their attention to the test. And then you mm-hmm. can start pre-marketing early. You can get people ready so that they understand early your level of knowledge and expertise in the area. And again, that, you know, that you know well. Content marketing is not just throwing a bunch of ideas out there and hoping some of them stick. You want a really tailored system of releasing information. What you're describing, Alex, where you you might capture somebody's email, in which case you're also marketing through a newsletter, which is really like, you know, if you want to maintain a strong stream of inquiries, then you should have a mailing list and you should be using that mailing list. But again, what should you be doing? You should be educating. You should be offering what you send out as just an extension of your support for families going through a process that you know well. We we see this all the time with our families, right? No matter what the subject, no matter what grade, you age in and out of these concerns. So you only care about the SAT and ACT when your kids are looking at higher education. But we care all the time. We care every year, year after year, decade after decade. And the more we go through this process, the more we understand all the different steps in the journey and how to prepare people in advance to really succeed. Mike, uh question i assume that trust plays a huge part of this uh, whole process how difficult is it um how do you market trust in test prep so it's a great point i mean trust is connected not just with credibility and knowledge meaning that you your answers are actually accurate mm. <laughs> but also integrity and making sure you operate in such a way that at each point you're offering what you say you're going to offer. If you offer somebody, you know, you'd say, Alex, you presented the idea that, you know, somebody can have access to this video if they enter their email, but they don't realize that that signed them up for, um, you know, a series of 10 really hard sell hmm. emails. Yeah. You're going to lose trust. They're not going to trust you as 
a partner in this process. Instead, mm. what, I, what I find is really valuable in establishing the trust is providing the information necessary to a broad group of people, low pressure presentations, mm -hmm. and being there month after month, year after year. There's a lot to be said for being there, being consistent. We've operated in upstate New York for 13 years, and that means that we've just become part of the cycle of life. And my goal for every you know, every incoming crop of families is that they receive the same level of support that their neighbors did and their friends did, or they got with their older children and that we're continuing to provide that. And that builds trust over the long term that they just know we've been great partners with schools. We've been great partners with libraries. We've supported countless students through this process. You, that's how you earn the trust is by doing it and not making any piece of this educational relationship feel uh, exploitative. Yeah. Just on that, Michael, this really sort of leads on to the idea of referrals. And I think you kind of really alluded to it before, which was this idea that, you know, parents might have multiple kids, like mm. the, the ones that age through will often be giving advice to those that are younger. So how do you... How do you go beyond just doing a great service and really hoping that something happens? How can you be more professional about so, marketing? So I'm referrals? glad that you said that because no successful educational enterprise exists without a strong referral base. It's that's word of mouth for when it comes to marketing, right? Isn't that the least expensive lead generation is, is. doing a great job and having other people not be able to help but talk about you? So ambassadors, yeah. Yeah. And so there's two different aspects to that. And the first is how you handle client referrals. And the other piece is having strategic partnerships so that you're getting referrals from adjacent professionals with which you have a network. So as far as drawing these client referrals, you know, the first step is always do the best job possible, right? Really get the results. Do what you say you're going to do under promise, over deliver. We all know that, right? But then you have to be systematic about asking for the referral, following up. When it comes to test prep, we have great ways to quantify success. This is where you started. This is where you ended. Look at how much you improved. This is fantastic, right? How can you not tell other people? But if you think that you can help yourself, I encourage you, go tell other people how well you did. Um, and tell, and you know, if you, it's often helpful to ask, okay, you know, we're so thrilled to work with you. Do you know any other families that would benefit from the same experience? Yeah. Ask, sometimes, often, if you do a really good job, then you're overbooked you have more of a supply problem than a demand problem. But you still want to keep marketing and find ways to serving. And so don't be afraid to ask. Don't forget to ask. It's quite that's really common, common right, Mike? People will look at you and say, well, Very... you don't need another student. I'm not going to send anybody your way. But that's not the case at all. I definitely want to. We want to see more <laughs> students. Yeah. But also it makes, I mean, from my experience, a lot of educators don't like marketing. So 
if no. you can uh, avoid having to market by just keeping an amazing you know system of referrals then that serves everybody and actually often people i know in london people love to queue no matter what yeah. it is so if there is a queue outside your door i think that really helps and it also gives you kind of confidence and, and allows you to kind of further credibility mm-hmm. further authority 100 percent. and yeah you know when you're doing that piece right then again if you're somebody who sees himself as a educator first and a business person second you'll find that there's a big difference between selling your program and taking an order for your program <laughs> and the warm leads that just say listen i heard about how you helped all of these families help me too there's no selling there's no sales it's just no. like okay great here's the program here's what we're going to do let's figure out when we can start and that's yeah. so much better everybody likes that better Hmm. Uh, but you know and then the last point on the professional network is to make sure you're working with other professionals that also work with the same population because your families when you've established that trust and they see you as the trusted advisor they see you as the credible expert they will ask you for other services that you might not provide and Hmm. we know we don't need to provide all of these services but we should know who else provides them And so if I'm working with someone for an important college admissions exam, I'm going to encounter people that need college admissions support beyond the exam, whether it's the essay writing, the picking the school, the finding scholarships, right? I don't do that myself, but I know plenty of people that do that I can share their information. And those people need someone to handle my piece. So you definitely want a network and strategic partnership with lots of equally exceptional providers. Great tip. A brilliant point to to finish on, Mike. Uh, we're going to be respectful of your time today and uh, finish up this episode on how to market to test prep. Uh, it's been really fascinating, Mike. So we've really mm. gone through understanding the whole sector. I really feel like I've got a much better take of the of what's going on and and just the amazing opportunities that come from that fragmentation. You really took us through some real advantages of this market and really some some incredibly practical tips, including that uh, exceptional piece on referrals. So thank you very much for this, Mike. Thank you for being here. Thank you. Considering the depth of expertise that both of you have, I take your compliments (laughs) as high. (laughs) (laughs) That's brilliant, Mike. Well, why don't we finish off with where people can possibly find you, Mike? Now, you are the head of, uh, first of all, you are leading chariot learning. So this is an area, what would be the kinds of people that would be interested in chariot learning? Right. So if you're actually interested in preparation for the SAT, ACT, or GRE, no matter where you live, chariot learning can help you. Definitely reach out to us at chariotlearning.com. And the one I loved, and actually where I found you was, uh, well, we'd, we'd done a, a speaking together, but was on your podcast. You, how many how many episodes of Test and the rest have you done? Wow. We just published today, uh, like our 300 and third, <laughs> oh, wow. like, like we're well over 300 <laughs> and I lose track because <laughs> we have so many more that are coming. Like we're mm-hmm, recording yeah. well into April at this point um, and it's the beginning of March. Yeah. So Anybody that's interested in concepts of testing, education, admissions, not just U.S.-based, but internationally, will really enjoy the test and the rest 
format. Uh, we try to make the episodes very quick, and we always have experts, and we're looking forward to having you guys on as experts. Sounds Great. amazing. That, that because... should tell people about the caliber of our guest. Oh, <laughs> Mike, I love that little thing. It just made it feel great. Um, and then finally, the Test Prep uh, Association. Yeah, so the Talk National Test Prep Association is a bit of a misnomer because actually we have international membership. And this organization is a, the only nonprofit uh, that we know of that advocates for the responsible use and administration of standardized tests in all different formats. We um, offer tons of online and in-person professional development and conferences. We offer a host of benefits for our members and really a thriving community. Fantastic, Mike. Wonderful. So three different amazing ways for you to learn more about Mike <laughs> and his experience. Uh, from myself, uh, you can find out more about LearnCube at learncube.com. And also because this is the Get More Students, well, not just the podcast, but we're actually a community now. You can find us at <laughs> www.getmorestudents.org and really enjoy uh, a way of kind of connecting with other tutors and really talking about marketing. Thanks very much today and please hit subscribe. I look forward to seeing you next time. Thanks. Catch you. Bye.